Pushkin. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase and a member FDIC 2024 J.P. Morgan Chase and Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And that family is one of those things in life that is so deeply rooted that we survive tragedy or heartbreak or whatever it is. Like, And we may take a new shape. But like my parents are still my parents, you know, like that it, it, it might not be everybody's experience, but for I think a lot of people like your family's your family. And it's I find it incredibly moving that we somehow survive. That was Paul Dano. I'm San Fragoso and this is Talk Easy. Welcome to the show. Dano has been a revelation in front of the camera. He began in LIE, evolved in Little Miss Sunshine, emerged in There Will Be Blood, and transmuted in 12 Years a Slave. There are plenty of other films before, in between, and after what I have listed, from Swiss Army Man, A Study in Comedic Flatulence, to Love and Mercy, an honest portrait of mental instability in the form of Brian Wilson. At 34, Dano has covered a lot of ground, working with some of the best living filmmakers we have. Paul Thomas Anderson, Kelly Reichardt, Spike Jones, Bong Joon-ho. If you're familiar with the name or face, you know all this. But now there's a pivot. In theaters coming Friday, October 19th, is Wildlife, Dano's directorial debut. Set in a small town in 1960s Montana, The film is a raw, familial snapshot. A teenage boy stuck in the middle between his father and mother, played by Jake Gyllenhaal and Carey Mulligan. 
Here's a bit from the trailer. You know what they call trees in a forest fire? Fuel. You know what they call the trees left up when the fire goes by? They call them the standing dead. Mom's dead. Is dad okay? Of course he is. His pride got hurt. That happens sometimes. You don't have to worry about anything, Joe. There comes a time when a man needs something more to hang his hat on. Got this homicide in my head. I need to do something about it. You understand? Here's what I can say about wildlife without spoiling the joys of this movie. It's the kind of film that Hollywood often refuses to make. Mature, measured, vulnerable. The writing by Dano and Zoe Kazan, adapting from Richard Ford's novel, is rich and full of life. It's not overly cloy or clever. What I'm really trying to say is that, you know, it's not full of shit. The characters are people, and their conversations are ones that you will think about as you lie awake in bed or on your morning commute to work. If I'm being honest, I don't like to talk about movies in this way on Talk Easy anymore, and that's probably because I no longer identify with the role of the critic. But this film deserves an aberration. Wildlife is um, something singular and special It has enough heart to make up for the heartless films that seem to constantly garner attention and praise and box office success. As you probably can tell, this movie wore down my defenses. Sometimes someone else's story can do that to you. So, that is the end of my rambling monologue. The film comes out Friday, October 19th. If you have the opportunity, time, and means to go see it, you absolutely should. Until then, here, finally, is Paul Dano. What immediately struck me, again on second viewing, is that you really did a great job of capturing the strange, disconnected, but also connected nature of the relationship between the mom and the kid, mm-hmm. which you're blurring the lines throughout of like, he is a kid and she is a mom, mm-hmm. but she is revealing information to him that is, I think for some parents, they'd get worried. Mm-hmm. As someone who's come from three divorces, this was like perfect <laughs> in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so I wanted to start there. Um, is that something that's that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, certainly on a first read of this book called Wildlife by Richard Ford, the Jeanette character was just uh, so intoxicating to me in a way because she was so complicated and mysterious and um, complex. And there was some uh, feeling like I have to understand her. I think part of writing this film was trying to understand Jerry and Jeanette probably in some way searching for understanding of my own parents um, Mm. or even grandparents. Uh, I really felt my family and many families in 
these characters. Specifically, to answer your question, for me, the reveal of information is a really integral part of like the film, like this kind of the story language or something. And just being a kid and suddenly one day when uh, you realize your parents had a past life or that their relationship is different than you (laughs) than you thought it was um, or that your parents struggle or that, you, you, you know, um, and, and from my own family, but even I remember that feeling in like school where it was like, you hear something about somebody's family and it was like, wait, them? But like, they seemed so, so nice. happy yeah, right. or nice or whatever. I, I've always just sort of been, that's like, that's the film. It's like, here's a portrait and then yeah. the layers, you know, get revealed. In the context of your life, you grew up in East Manhattan uh, you're born in 84, mm-hmm. your dad, and you're smiling at me. <laughs> yeah, great. I like East Manhattan. <laughs> you're smiling as I like, I feel like, I feel like, you know, I, I'm not sure somebody from New York would say East Manhattan. I like it. It's great. You're right. I was on the East side of, you're right. You the, know what? The, I'm trying, I'm going yeah. for specificity here. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> if I get anything wrong, you can fact check me. Here. No, no, that's right. Um, father was a financial advisor, but not for the 1% kind of people. No, and he he had several jobs, um, so that's kind of like the easiest thing to say. I think sort of like entrepreneur slash he did some estate managing, and but uh, sort of diff- a few different jobs within like a financial field. Right. So, and your mother stays home and works and helps out with you and your sister. Yeah, once my sister was born, my mom didn't work. You know, she right. was our, our mom. What are the interiors like at that house versus something in wildlife? Well, really really different aesthetically like meaning you know when we lived in manhattan we were in a one-bedroom apartment it was actually like a size a good good size for a one-bedroom but it was bunk beds me and my sister and my mom and dad in the bed next to that right and that was uh we are a very close family but that's also a tough uh it was i don't think it was easy either so we did okay but that you know had i'm I'm sure being in a long-term relationship now myself and that would be really hard, you know, on a relationship as an adult. I now right. sort of, you know, see. Um, so we did move to the suburbs at a certain point, which also is aesthetically much different than wildlife. But it was Connecticut. It was the classic like commuter town, like one hour from Manhattan. Right. A lot of people get on the Metro North, go to work in the city, you know, that kind of vibe. I do think that's where, though, some of the feelings for me, there's a, a passage in the book, 20 something pages in where this kid is watching his mom teach a swim class and he says uh the 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 writer says something like oh everybody around her probably thinks like oh there's a woman with a good figure or there's a woman with a good smile or there's a woman who looks happy but like the kid kind of knew something was wrong you know like at Mm -hmm. home it wasn't always like that and that sort of duality really like spoke to me it felt you know, timeless actually, but it reminded me of experiencing Connecticut with, again, not just with my own family, but w- with others. Um, yeah. and I think some sense of the American dream, my parents, my dad is older for somebody my age. Um, there's something of that post-war spirit and the sense of the American dream. Like things are always better out there. Like, um, this feeling of, uh, you know, there's a way that it's optimistic and I think we need hope and I, I think we need goals, but also sometimes you're, you're, um, what happens when suddenly like you're present in your real life, if it's like, you know, you're always trying to get somewhere else, um, mm-hmm. and you spend your life trying to get somewhere else. And so there's something about 
this idea of like it's out there um and then the moment when you realize wait no this life's right here and it's uh, you know you wake up one day and like life's going by have have you had that mm, i don't know i suppose maybe i had felt it more in them uh did they ever communicate that to you or were that your parents sort of laconic i would say we were a family that did not talk about those kinds of things so that is part of it meaning you know like you you, yeah. know, you want things to be good so unless they're like obviously bad you act like they're good which again i think relates to that kind of post-war spirit like, the, like if you look at a william inge player and arthur miller play there's often like a character kind of like smiling when things are bad do, do, terrible do, do, do you know yeah I do. And, and i find that heartbreaking i wanted to know at what age for you did you figure out that your parents are flawed. Hmm. So I think when you're young, you know what you know and you normalize your situation because that's what you know. So and it's all you know. Yeah. So I now looking back on certain things, right? Like oh the one bedroom apartment, like I didn't know and again, we weren't like, I don't want to make it sound like we were like poor or something or, you, you know, it was just my dad's rent control department and, you, you know, yeah. worked for that reason for a period of time. You were getting by. Yeah. And now I look back on that and think, oh, that I, I that would be hard for me to do with Zoe or with my kids or if we, you know, like, and I didn't know that at that time. So I don't know if I know the age except that. Well, was there an event? Well, my parents weren't always together, so that's part of what I think the film is. That's part of me in the film. You know, it comes from a book, right? But I think much like I do as an actor, like the goal is to put yourself through the thing. And, and it changed from the, the, the book and the writing process. It becomes its own script and then its own film. But really, you're, you're putting a piece of yourself, you know, through something else as a means to sort of make contact with something and, and work with it. And then you hope by making contact with something, you know, uh, personal, it, it then does that for somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. An audience member. So I don't know about one event. I think it was more for me how I responded, which is really part of, I think, the spirit of the film, is that when it felt like things were shaking yeah. a little bit, you know, or what, however you would describe it. Tumultuous. I was not the kid who like acted out. I was a kid who like wanted to kind of like keep it together. Yeah. So I was like a steady presence, you know, much like the kid Joe in the film is, mm -hmm. I think this is my impression of it. Of course, yeah, it my was, sister might, you this know, is the interpretation. Um, yeah. Are you, uh, you're older. I'm older. Yeah. My sister's two years younger. Right. Um, and not everybody relates to that, right? Some people are like, you know, um, some people would have handled that differently and, and they make a movie about that, you know? <laughs> Something you interrogate in the movie that I had not really seen in too many movies is, is, I don't know, you're talking about, is it okay for the dynamic to be the way it is? Mm. Which is, you know, he leaves, she says he has beautiful intentions. She says they haven't been intimate in a while. 
can that dynamic be healthy? I mean, it's a question I've asked myself uh, for a while. Yeah, I mean... Because in a way, she needs him. She needs this, like, the steady rock, which, which seems like what you were for your family in some way. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough question because is it healthy? Well, no, probably not for yeah. that kid. But I think it was necessary for that character to, you know, I I certainly, I personally sympathize with her, even though I think she's doing things that are challenging and harsh. Um, I feel like I'm not interested in condemning them. So it is more of a question. Is it, is it okay? Like, and that family is one of those things in life that is so deeply rooted that we survive tragedy or heartbreak or whatever it is like, and we may take a new shape, but like my parents are still my parents, you know, like that and it might not be to everybody's experience, but for, I think a lot of people like your family's your family. And it's, I find it incredibly moving that we somehow survive right in some way, shape or form and to not all, collectively hate each other yes and so is it okay no i don't i'm not but but you know i think that that um you know what i think i have the heart of the question great i think i just found it and this is maybe more for me but maybe it's also for you do you have as someone who was the oldest and who was a stabilizing force i feel very similar in this way do you have questions or feelings of like resentment? Well, probably, but it's so, so complicated and I feel so hesitant to be like at all reductive about it. And I think that that's one of the challenges in trying to make a film with these mixed bag of feelings. Yeah. And for me, um, do I feel resentment? I mean, Gosh, I don't know. Who, I, I have so many feelings, and some of them really loving, you know, and then some of them are angry or mixed bag, you know. Yeah, right. I mean, of course. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out on, on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, on, I mean, the 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 best way for me to express it and not to be like overly coy has been for me through like work yeah I mean I go to therapy like you know I'm like a per you know and I think everybody should and uh but I mean I try to bring that mixed bag to the job what I do well on that you do community theater that seems to be the jumping off point for you as an actor and I heard you talk about it and it seemed fascinating the idea similar to your home life you're in a very adult situation. What do you remember about those days? That's right. That's interesting. And, and uh, again, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back on it, you know, at a certain point I was like going to school after school, I would go to soccer practice or whatever. And then at night I would go do a play and I mean, on off Broadway or Broadway. And I don't know when I would do my homework, you know, cause that's literally all the hours in the day. Maybe you didn't do your homework. Maybe not. 
I don't, you know, so I, I felt, I think I you know, think that was part of my normal experience, but now I'm like, that was fucking crazy. It, it turned out okay. Yeah. But you know, it, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how that was possible. So I know at the time you didn't see it as like abnormal, but when you're reflecting on the like early days of you finding the thing that would become your career, do you have memories of like, wow, that's wild that I was present for like these two adults fighting about X? Yes. I mean, for sure. Um, I mean, I have a lot of, you know, memories and, and, and now I actually wish I had a greater memory because I do think at the time I was reluctant to be overly ambitious about it almost in a protective way because protective of what myself, because I had, um, a sense pretty early that I don't know what there would be to gain from being either like famous or making money or at like a really early age, you know? And even in high school, I was like, well, if I'm going to be an actor someday, I want to protect myself. And I was, I had awareness of like the idea of like, how do I be an actor when I'm 34, which I am now or 44 and not just like um, auditioning for every like thing because it, it, it the kid acting thing is I think delicate and I think it's challenging yeah and I think kids are put in a really adult situation and I think that you're also like told that you're like special <laughs> and I think that that's like too much of that is that is unhealthy at, at a young age yeah um I, at any age at any age yeah that's absolutely right um just for some reason i had like my guard up and i i i i think i really liked it i really loved being around the adult actors actually and they were lovely to me as a kid they were great and i have really good memories of different companies where i was like a kid actor and they were adults and i think i really actually valued that mm-hmm. um but for some reason, I always had a little bit of a like, um, a slow. I'm like a slow and steady person in general. Right. I'm sensing that. I'm figuring yeah. that out. Yeah. This may be a very strange question. You probably never got this in an interview, and we're ostensibly two strangers here. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're describing at a young age is just the idea of self worth. Is is like knowing that you are someone who does not want to be and won't be allowed to be um, misused or mistreated, or, or th- which is what happens with children, actors, hmm. often. Maybe I'm mischaracterizing that. No. I mean, yeah, I, I you know, I, I mean... It just seems I, like you wanted to do things on your own terms. I think so, and I think I felt... Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm really stubborn, too. Oh, okay. No, no. I mean, I think self-worth is one thing. I just don't think it was, it was obviously at that time, not that conscious. Yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't about my self-worth to me. Right. I mean, maybe that's an element now, but I don't know something about it. There was like an ick factor in the wrong places and I don't know why, but I felt like the theater was a safe place. And the theater was when I wanted to be an actor at first was what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. was being on stage in New York. Right. And you did that. Yes. And then you go, eventually you go to college, you go to new school. Mm. 
somewhere along the way you decide that you're just going to do this. But before that, you were going to maybe do poetry. There was maybe like musicianship. Oh, well, I tried on every fucking hat. I think know. we both wanted to be professional basketball players. Oh, yeah. That was the big thing in middle school. Yeah. And, and, and hilariously, I mean, I remember being in a play in New York. I was I had we had to work out like the travel basketball schedule so like I didn't want to I didn't want to give up either so somehow I was like going to basketball and doing the play I remember going to the bathroom at the theater and like doing like squats like because I was like this like little short kid who wore glasses who like right. wanted to like play basketball um there was a store in Times Square where they sold all the uh like warm-up uh full um you know, oh. the, the pants and the oh, jackets yeah, the, gear. For the, the gear so oh, so expensive God. yeah it was expensive um, and so uncomfortable to play in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're immediately hot. Why I needed to pull off pants at that, you know, <laughs> why you need them at that point. I had um, them too. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was interested in high school. I, I acted in, started acting in film really about 16. Didn't go to, didn't want to go to school for that because I was already kind of around it so much and felt like, you know, needed something else. Um, I thought about going to film school, didn't, but I'd taken in high school a couple classes outside of school. Um, took a animation class, took a, I think I took an editing and a film class as well. So I, but I, for some reason, wanted to just step away from the, not the industry, but that world for a moment, like, you know, in college. So I was an English major. I took mostly like poetry classes, Russian right. lit. Uh, you know, this is where you're getting exasperated. Totally. I mean, I played in a band, you know, and that was great. I mean, it was so fun and, and I miss that, you know, that's, um, what do you miss? I think I miss like, you know, it just takes you and, uh, well, you can, you can, you can kind of have a, an experience even just by yourself, but even just with, you know, two or three other friends and, you know, you can really like have an experience just playing. Um, and I think this is film is a medium that requires a lot more, um, and acting also, you know, a stage or a camera, but it's, you know, in your apartment alone, like working on a monologue that, that doesn't get me off, you know, but (laughs) but, but when you play, that is, that gives me a bigger feeling. So it's like something you can, maybe writing is a little bit more like that too. Right. So you can, but not as immediate. No, 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 no. Um, not that playing music is some like, it's not so easy or anything like that. No, but you know, it's, I mean, everybody, you know, people are, it's, that's, there's quotes about it for a reason. You know, yeah. all art aspires to the condition of music. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, it's, it's got something. What turned it, though? What, what made that be like, ah, okay, I like doing this. I feel alive and free and young, but I'm, I can't do this forever. Oh, I think I was just resisting. I think I was partially resisting, like, you know, the, the thing I was good at that was there for me. And, you, you know, just sort of like making sure that's what I wanted to, again, because I'd started young and I was kind of like always, te- I had a funny relationship with that. I was always sort of making sure, like checking, checking on it. Like yeah. that was part of going to college, frankly, was like, let me. Well, you're testing. Pump the brakes here and let's go. Tr- yeah. And it's sort of like, no, I have, I'm. I want to do it. Um, but also, honestly, it's hard to be good at even one thing, right? And at a certain yeah. point, it's like, I think you got to put the time in. And I'm, so, I, and I'm not a great multitasker, and I, I like kind of getting obsessed with one thing. So if I'm going to act in a film, that's kind of my life. 
if I'm going to make a film now, like that's your life. You know, I mean, it's not my whole life. I have much bigger parts of my life now at home, but like, right. you know, it's your life. And yeah. what is your earliest memory of on, on a set of you being like, Oh yeah, no, I can't do this kind of movie. Well, my first onset memory is the opposite of that, which is this film called LIE where I was like, Oh, making a movie can, is like, I probably just at that point, I don't think I, w- I was not a cinephile or a film snob or any, you know, I, I really just n- <laughs> saw the movies with my friends that we went and saw at the fucking big movie theater. And yeah. I just, you know, like, even though I love Terminator two, I'm, I was just never going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger and I just didn't know there would be a place for me. Um, LIE was eye opening because it was like, Oh, this is actually like, it was a beautiful, creative, small, intimate, um, and not that I need it to be that by any means, but I just didn't even know there was this world of independent film, which ultimately led to me discovering, you know, foreign cinema. And, mm. and so, so that was great. One of the important turning points for me was I was acting in a film called The Girl Next Door, and I'm consider myself a dorky guy and still, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I like, I, you know, I'm, I wear glasses and I'm like, you know, I like, <laughs> hey, um, no. I'm not going to make judgments based on, <laughs> I don't know why features. I guess cause I like to, you know, I mean, um, for whatever. Yeah. So I was, that's how I guess I felt about myself or something at the time or, and I remember thinking, I think cause teen comedies were kind of big at that time or they had just been big. Um, American Pie and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, oh, am I, I just had it, like, am I only ever going to get to play, you know, Dorky like myself, number two, you know, or whatever. And that wasn't interesting to me. And then the next role I got was in a film called The Ballad of Jack and Rose. Mm-hmm. And that was a part that was, I felt very different from me. Obviously, a piece of me is in there, but that was a character. And the fact that somebody believed, that I could be that I felt like oh I can I'm I can be an actor how old are you at that age 18 when I but 19 when we filmed Ballad of Jack and Rose but probably 18 when I was cast so Daniel Day-Lewis is in it Mm -hmm. Catherine Keener's in it can you try to walk me through what's like in your head as an 18 year old is working with those two people it was that sort of summer camp feeling of, you know, everybody's there and wants to be there and, you know, uh, uh, really, um, special time. I, that was, um, also important to see actors like that go to work. And, and I had been like on stage, I saw a couple great actors go to work, but I was still kind of young and, you know, this was definitely, um, you know, a moment in one's life where you go, okay, well, if, if people are doing that, like what am I, what am I doing? And, and, you know, what do I want? And, and these, you know, guys are beautiful. Um, also what was really important was seeing actors like, and, and really good actors work differently because when you're a young person, you're like a, like writing poetry or playing in a band you're trying on hats, you know, and you're figuring out who you are. Yeah. And you do that as an actor too. You know, you, you read about, you know, uh, you know, Charles Lawner, you read about like Marlon Brando, 
you know, and they're like, oh, I, yeah, I got to shy away. You know, I got to try yeah, that and work that. that way or whatever. And like eventually you're like part of growing up, I think, is figuring out who you are. I mean, I don't know that you ever do, but like Catherine and Daniel are very different and both incredible to work with and to watch in, in the film. And it was really nice to see those different processes and it kind of opened like, okay, I have to figure out like, how am I, What's gonna, how am I going to work? Right. And I still am, but you know, at least I know I can. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like that your process, uh, a quote I have is that you, it's like deletion, deletion of self. Hmm. Is that accurate? I guess I've always kind of gotten off on like figuring out who, the person is the character and and I and I do like the idea that it is the character and that you're there for them it's just a fun way to to work um but at the same time without question you're trying to bring some incredibly personal piece of yourself to the table mm-hmm. so you need both yeah well this is you referenced a uh a Charlie Kaufman speech that I've watched about seven times this year uh, from the BFI. Oh yeah, isn't that? I mean, yeah. You know, if anyone who who's listening has not seen that, yeah, it's really uh, changed my life. I mean, it, yeah, it's important. I do not know what the wound is. I do know that it is old. I do know that it is a hole in my being. I do know it is tender. I do believe that it is unknowable, or at least inarticulable. I do believe you have a wound too. I do believe it is both specific to you and common to everyone. I do believe it is the thing about you that must be hidden and protected. It is the thing that is tap danced over five shows a day. It is the thing that won't be interesting to other people if revealed. It is the thing that makes you weak and pathetic. It is the thing that truly, truly, truly makes loving you impossible. It is your secret even from yourself. But it is the thing that wants to live. It is the thing from which your art, your painting, your dance, your composition, your philosophical treatise, your screenplay is born. If you don't acknowledge this, you will come up here when it is your time, and you will give your speech, and you will talk about the business of screenwriting. You will say that as a screenwriter, you are a cog in a business machine. You will say it is not an art form. You will say, here, this is what a screenplay looks like. You will discuss character arcs how to make likable characters. You will talk about box office. This is what you will do. This is who you will be. And after you're done, I will feel lonely and empty and hopeless. When did you figure out that you needed to offer yourself? Well, it changes once that becomes like a conscious thought. I I do sort of think that you're part, maybe doing that without knowing it part of the time in the, in some of the earlier stuff, you know, you do. And because I just think it's the natural way of why you would be in the arts in any part of it. Um, but I would say, I think I had to figure something out because I, when I was doing a couple parts that were kind of like sort of dark, so to speak, which is kind of like a, I hate this, that sort of generalized, but I, I think I was doing something where I was like, I have to figure out like why I'm doing this, you know, because I know the filmmaker's really good and, and I think it's an important, like I like being a part of this story, but like this is, it has a cost. And, and so I think 
Yeah, I mean, 12 Years a Slave sort of yeah. comes to mind. Yeah, that it was around that and Prisoners where I was like... I mean, can I tell you, those movies, one time. I'll watch it once. <laughs> no chance. No chance I'm going back in for those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it was also, you know, evolution of like learning like when you hear something like the charlie kaufman thing or there's you know i've always kind of sought out different teachers throughout the years and one teacher who was is really important in my life still definitely helped to sort of at some point i just hit a block you know because i've been doing it for a while i have to rediscover why i'm doing it every so often and i think one layer of hitting a block as an actor and feeling a little not bored with it but like fuck i'm i'm not feeling myself right, right. now like i'm i need to was no some, longer energized yeah just sort of you know needing a new something new um it's now like why on a person why on a personal level you know i have something to give this character why and by working with that you know hopefully not that you're healing something but um i guess it's just nice to know to remind yourself because acting is also such a hard job and industry and i can't tell you how many auditions i've been on you know i mean so many and so you to learn to give yourself agency i guess and say you know why on a personal level is this character mean something to me and and the the more i work in that direction the more I'm getting back from it now it like I take something with me and that feels really good are you hard on yourself yeah probably I don't know if it's a survival tool or if you like wildlife for example you know we had a screen at the New York Film Festival last week and I think at some point after that screening I was like oh you know what this is like I had like a like a five minute feeling of like we did it you know, like we made, like I made the film I wanted to, but that was like five, that lasted five for about minutes. five minutes, you right. know, and then it's kind of back to like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What is it right back into? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, even in this, uh, sort of American dream idea, but it's kind of like, why are we, why is it so hard to be satisfied and just to like be present with the, the thing you right. know, that's happening? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to know. Yeah. I sometimes worry. So we're a decade apart in age. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm fearful that I'm going to become, I'm going to be your age. And I'm going to have no more answers than I do now. <laughs> uh, I don't, I think if you're fearful of that, then you won't, uh, you won't find yourself in that position. <laughs> you won't. Um, and that's part of the fun is, you know, you, uh, um, and I think that's why a lot of us do, you know, sort of the things that we do and, you know, it's really fun. Um, but you're just a chicken. That means you're just like, you're just a, a, you're a sweet, sweet young man. <laughs> you don't, you don't need to, don't, don't, uh, don't, you know, enjoy yourself. I could say the same for you. <laughs> I mean, you're 34, not 84. I'm 34. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, speaking of you as a director, uh, I want to go over a few 
filmmakers that you have worked with as an actor that I imagined uh, influenced your style as a filmmaker? So here, here are three people. Uh, the first being Kelly Reichardt. What did she mean to you? What did you learn from her? Yeah. Well, cause I was, gonna, I, was yeah, actually, yeah. I was gonna say, I'm thinking. I, I she's come on here before, yeah. and um, you guys are actually uh, similar in in temperaments. Yeah, a, a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, I loved Kelly's films, um, and her and I really got along because I remember like we were able to talk about like Donald Ritchie's book on Ozu together. Like yeah. really, you know, sort of like, uh, and for some reason, directors are often surprised when I'm like so dorky about film because um, they expect I don't know but you know I mean I think most actors love film but it may you know like whatever you know I'm just I don't it's hard to, you know some of the reason I don't like talking about myself is because I feel like you are making an image of yourself and like I don't want you know talking about like books I've read I mean you know but I'm just saying Kelly and I like we had some stuff Look, that like we could jam out about. All I can say is <laughs> there's no judgment on this side. Uh, um, and I've always, because I think I've loved film and wanted to make films, I've always felt the most comfortable or good about working with people who I can trust and that I like. And so when I'm with, you know, somebody like Kelly you know, I can't, I'm not really like studying like their camera placement or something, you know, cause I'm acting. I, I do remember how much time she took to figure out the right composition. Um, a lot of time, but also I remember that cause as an actor, you're like, yeah, you're kind of like, a, go. you know, I was like, it's like putting a boxer on ice or something. You're like, no, like, <laughs> let's like, you know, um, and I don't know. I think that's more just like, you know, you end up gravitating towards people who are like-minded, but certainly in terms of like American film, I think we share a lot of like other kinds of filmmakers we like, meaning like there's a quietness that is not always, you know, present. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think there's a poetry in that, you know, in her films. And I think it comes from a love of, you know, other films like that. Right. And it started there. I mean, like River Grass is like, I can't believe that's her first movie, and yet, of course it is. Mm. It's so, back to the Kaufman thing, like, that's so, mm. that's what she's, mm-hmm. what she had at that point. Yeah. What about uh, Spike Jones? Spike is, uh, he is great. He is a fucking, like, kid, you know? I mean, <laughs> we, we did, I mean, I did a voice in this film where the wild things are, and we had a soundstage here in Los Angeles for about a month, each of us had our own personal camera because they were kind of basing the puppet work on what we did along with using our voices. And we just had a big, like, basically foam set. And it was like we would wrestle and work on the scenes and improvise. And Spike is a searcher. He's just, like, searching, searching, like... And um, it's an energy that's really wonderful. Um, One time, I had a hole in the back of my pants... And he put his hand in there and pulled, like, as a joke, but my all, my pants came apart and came off completely in front of the whole like, crew and <laughs> actors. And, and I was standing there in my fucking underwear, and I was like, I'm going to fucking kill Spike Jones. And, and, you know, whenever I see him, it's like we just, like, want to, like, fight um, in a good way, in the <laughs> right. most loving way. Yes. And he sends me pants occasionally. 
Um, that's nice. And it's, um, that's a really important energy for somebody like me though. So when I'm saying like, what do I get back? Like sometimes you're like, like doing like a film like Swiss army man was like, I needed to like go, like I needed to have fun. I needed to be playful. I needed to like be a kid. I needed to fart. Like I needed my sense of humor, which right. my works often probably a little bit more on like the serious side. And so sometimes there's like a part of me that doesn't get, you know, always expressed, but that's probably more who I am at home almost. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, um, Spike has something that is really, um, you know, I think a gift for the people around him, his, Mm. his energy. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul is, I, I, I love him. Uh, I feel like one of the things that I felt when working with him is that he's just as good a writer as he is a director. And that's a really important part of, you know, I think sometimes we think about his camera, like the music, the score, but, but like it's, it's there in the writing. Yeah. Um, sh- shockingly good writer. Like yes. the scripts are uh, worth reading Yeah, like, over and over again. A guy who is so loving to, you know, his actors and you can, you know, that sense of family that's in his films and it's there on the set. Uh, a lot of, you know, repeat crew members and it's like a you know a family um but incredible attention to detail work ethic what else i mean you know he's uh i don't know he's he's you know a very good filmmaker yeah <laughs> that's good um well now when it comes to you i imagine and this maybe is a wrong assumption but i suspect that on your set you ended up being some sort of amalgamation of all the people that you liked working with or maybe didn't like working with. Yeah. I mean, I think both are super informative and I definitely had an advantage knowing like, Oh, I can, I can create my set. You know, that was something I really was excited about that. I daydreamed about like how, you know, what I wanted to give my actors, you know, I love as an, as an actor myself when the crew is involved, like when they feel present, um, where it's how, not just a job. Yeah. So how to like, you know, it's a film about family, you know, so we're going to have a creative family and you know, your job is, I felt like it's like there's a parenting element. Like you're, you're also there to get the best out of everybody, not just get your, vi- you know, quote vision. Like, like you need, you need everybody. You need the person pushing the dolly to like fucking feel it, you know, and whatever. Um, so, um, it just I, helps if they're excited too. Yeah. Yeah. And they matter, you know, is the thing. So like treat, you yeah. know, like it's, I think it's just important to be like a good person. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I just, uh, and, and for me setting up like the atmosphere for the actors, I, the directors you mentioned, but even others on a really good set, like there's a temperature, you know, like when it's time to go to work, like you could have fun, it doesn't always have to be that way, but when it's kind of time to go to work, like there's like a, like a temperature. Right. And like, that's what you're looking for. Um, so to help give my actors an experience they want was really like a pleasure for me. Yeah. You strike me as a, uh, very empathetic, uh, sensitive guy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> on set, how did you, you know, set is essentially um, managing mm-hmm. many different, not just changing pieces, but changing feelings and, and, and 
How did you handle all that? Well, big learning curve, but I think I loved it actually. Uh, I think I was surprised even how much I loved it. I think it probably felt more like playing in a band. You know, acting's a little more lonely. Um, I really liked collaborating, although there are times when I just wanted to fucking destroy the film where, you know, I mean, it's, it's so hard and the amount of decisions you have to make and learning to compromise, learning to compromise was hard. Right. And learning when to put your foot down, you know, and it's a fine line. Um, and you are trusting your gut on a first time, you know, thing. I, I hope the next time I do it, you know, I'll feel a hair more confident to say no, like it has to be this way or okay. It's right. okay if we let go of this. You know, those things felt so dramatic to me this first time. Yeah. I don't know that that'll change. Well, but that's because you had no yeah. experience you know, in the past to do it. Yeah. When did you feel like you wanted to, uh, to destroy the movie? I mean, I don't, I don't know that every day, but this is a common feeling. This okay. is not like, a, you know, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I... There's so many technical, logistical, budgetary, schedule, like that element of it, like pre-production, essentially, um, was a um, big learning curve. And and when you can't get something you want, you know, and it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. I mean, maybe the next film will have more of a budget and you get, oh, like one or two more things that you wanted. But mm -hmm. so you're... Um, you've had something in your head and, and you're trying to make it come to fruition. Um, the, the, uh, now I should say that I feel zero compromise in the final film. I mean, I've got to, I feel like the film is the film. Um, right. so, y you know, you're just learning to like collaborate and also to occasionally be practical, which is, I think hard for you. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think, Maybe I don't know if acting's like just like really emotional. Like I don't know, bringing that kind of practical part of your brain into it was new. I don't feel like I have to do that as an actor much. Right. But yeah, like when you lose a shot, the film is fairly economical. Maybe you know it's kind of spare. And Diego, my DP, and I, we didn't like shoot a lot of superfluous shots. So if we had to drop a shot, it felt really scary. Like. Because right. you weren't doing a lot of coverage. No. And, you know, we would, we could only, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how other people do it, but I feel like I can only know where to put the camera if I know how it's going to cut. Uh, it doesn't mean it's ultimately actually going to be that way, but you have to know some sense of why. So if a shot got dropped like that felt, I, you know, I felt devastated mm. um, sometimes. I mean, you know, um, but so many other, I mean, so many other things that go wrong. And, you know, um, uh, it, it's, uh, but then again, it's like such a joy. And we'd never, never 
never part Now you want someone new What's funny about this is it, and it is, you know, like we're going to go have a screening at the Arclight tonight. And that when I came to L.A. when I was 18 and made some friends, they're like, oh, yeah, we go see movies at the Arclight. You know, the Arclight is like a classic L.A. theater. Like, okay, it's fucking cool. Like, I'm like, wow, okay, that's great. But like the fun part is done (laughs) for the most part. You know, like making it um, is the fun part. And this is also fun. Um... But uh, I don't know. There is something a little overwhelming about sort of being done. It's been a big part of my life for many, many, many years now. Like since 2011, 2012, you know. And like it's, I guess it's kind of like done. And I don't know. I've It's hard. I, sometimes I miss it. Is it overwhelming because you know there has to be something else? Partially, and I've already have acted in something else since, so I've I've had a, an experience, um, and I've you know there's there's life. Uh, it's just making a film is a really big experience, and that's why it's so wonderful. Um, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard to put words to what it feels like to like finish it because frankly, I'm right. I'm being asked right now. We're I'm doing press for the film, right? So it's like, how does it feel to and I'm like, I don't know. The the last thing I want to ask you, because we're going to get kicked out of here. You just had a kid. Yeah. You and Zoe are both busy a, a lot of the times on various projects, acting and writing, directing. I imagine there's a new conversation that has to be had about how to best balance the work of it all, especially the way you do it and the way I, I think she does it is you guys invest a lot of yourselves in the work. It's why it turns out well. How do you feel you want to move forward? Yeah, I mean, we're about to find out. Um, And I don't know. I will say that so far it's really nice to have something that matters a lot more than you do. Um, in a way, you, you, you know, like our daughters, uh, is the most important thing in our life right now. So I don't know is the answer. And I imagine that it is going to be a bit of a learning curve. And I imagine that that's actually going to be difficult at times. Um, because I think we both get a lot from what we do and, and have a lot to give still. But I also hope and think that, you know, this is going to help uh, wax some weeds, so to speak. Like, there's just not time anymore to, like, um, so far at least, uh, we're only six weeks in, but um, so far there's just not as much time for, like, your own BS. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So I feel um, I'll be curious how it informs the next. I'm going to do a play this winter, and I don't know what that's going to be like to do it with a kid. Um, You'll figure it out. I hope so. I imagine you two will make it work. (laughs) I think we will. I think we will. Um, 
Yeah. Paul, thank you so much for uh, coming on. All right, thanks. Special thanks this week to a few people, Kate McEdwards, Jordan Van Brink, Jessica Kolstad, and, of course, Zoe and Paul for supporting the show. Wildlife lands in theaters this upcoming Friday, October 19th in Los Angeles and New York City. A national rollout will follow, and uh, in case you're unfamiliar with how this works, the more people show up on opening weekend, the more... Uh, the distributor, in this case IFC, is inclined to put it out into the world. So if you're in one of those two cities this upcoming weekend, I'd urge you to give the film a chance. It certainly deserves it. If you enjoyed today's episode, you'd probably enjoy our conversation with Zoe Kazan, Mackenzie Davis, Kelly Reichart, Alan Alda, Rob Reiner, Norman Lear. I think everyone likes Norman Lear. You can find all of those episodes and more at www.talkeasypod.com. You can also find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. We're on Twitter and Facebook at TalkEasyPod. I'm also very cautiously using Instagram. My handle is at Sam Fragoso. I don't really think I'm doing it right. So uh, any notes, feedback you folks want to offer up, I'm all ears. As always, the podcast is executive produced by David Chen, graphics by Ian Jones, illustrations by Krishna Shenoy, our associate producer is Elliot Weintraub, and the show is produced by Dylan Peck. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy, and uh, I'm going to have the Manhattans play us out. Have a good week, everyone.
the tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 